there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to share this episode with you. So this is a recorded interview that I did with Tara Anderson. Uh, They are a non-binary therapist that, uh, somatic therapist that also has a second company, an educational company specifically for healthcare providers to help with queer competency. And um, we just had a really wonderful conversation. It's been a long time coming talking about um, health as it relates to our LGBTQIA plus patients. And this conversation is actually a really foundational place to start. So I got a lot of questions and when I was asking, um, I reached out to audience members on the email list. If you want to get on the email list, you can submit your questions too. Um, And I think what we realized when we looked at all the questions that people had, we really just had to start in a really foundational place. And so um, in this interview, we talk about what queer competency means, what it look, what people think it is versus what it actually is, and some really practical things to help provide um, very supportive and holistic care to uh, to our LGBTQIA patients, right? And it's like the starting place to start with is this episode, this interview, really some core foundational pieces of information and some resources to to learn a little bit more further. So without further ado, I'm going to share my interview. Actually, real quick, um, if you haven't grabbed the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You will get all of these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week so you don't miss a thing. And you'll also get patient stories, notes from me, and bonuses I truly don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much for watching, and here is your um, our interview. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Um, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tara Anderson. I use they them pronouns. I am a gender equity educator. I work primarily with healthcare and helping providers who want to better serve the LGBTQA community. I'm also a therapist by training, somatic therapist. So I work with LGBTQIA folks around um, areas of intimacy and identity. Mm, that's awesome. Um, and how uh, how did you how did you get into this path? It's a great question. Um, well, I wanted to be a therapist my whole life. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah, and so I really beelined it for this profession and. Once I got there, what I realized was that this fantasy that I had about um, helping professions is um, really, how do I want to say this, Uh, informed by systems of power and oppression. And Mm. I I kind of had this fantasy shatter a little bit um, early on in my career. And 
I started to work in community mental health. I was just seeing how many LGBTQIA folks were not being served in a way that made therapy really accessible to them. Um, in my own experience as a trans person, you know, I'm, I'm seeing um, and existing in healthcare spaces where I either don't feel met or my community members are reporting feeling like they're not being seen by their providers and really getting turned off from accessing help. Yeah. Right? So um, a number of series of events happened and you know between feeling like tokenized in the work that I was doing um, witnessing really well-meaning colleagues just missing the boat not because their hearts were in the wrong place mm -hmm. but just because they didn't have the education I decided to go out on my own and start an organization really dedicated to bridging the gap between the training that healthcare and helping providers get in serving the LGBTQIA community and what we really need. I love that. And your company is called Embody Emerge. Uh, yep, Embody Beautiful. Emerge. Beautiful. And you're on Instagram. So you should I be am. Here. At Embody um, Emerge. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> um, so how does it work with, um, what is, what, like, how do you, um, how do you help healthcare providers to um, bridge that gap in, in that separate company? Yeah. So, I think I take a different approach than a lot of uh, LGBTQIA training. I think a lot of training goes into kind of the basics, the 101, mm -hmm. learning about the LGBTQIA community, um, terms, fluency, pronouns, language, all of that stuff. And I wanna take us a little bit deeper. And mm -hmm. so the work that I do, um, has a couple of different approaches that I think are different than most places. One, I'm really interested in helping folks do their personal work mm -hmm. to see themselves. Mm -hmm. I think that if our providers had a better understanding of their own gender experience, of their own sexual orientations, um, of how the scripts of society inform those things and are playing out in our medical professions, mm -hmm. that LGBTQA people would have better experiences. And so I want to support healthcare providers to do that personal work to yeah. see themselves. And so beyond just the 101 stuff, we go into um, our own conditioning, yeah. right? And starting to, to break apart and really see the ways in which we've been fed heteronormativity. Yeah. Um, and I also center the body, you know, I'm a somatic practitioner. So I'm really interested in um, taking us a level deeper than the general conversation around bias, because it's really mm -hmm. hard to see what we can't really acknowledge, mm -hmm. the, the things that are un underneath the level of our consciousness, mm -hmm. but our bodies tell us about those things. 100%. Right. Yeah. And so as a somatic practitioner, we get to really look at like, how is your body telling you where your biases live mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. you have a better chance of recognizing them? That's so interesting. Yeah, because before we started recording, we were talking about um, what people think, and and your course is called Queer Competency. Again. Queer yeah. Competency. Okay, I just didn't know if it had other things attached to it, but you and I were talking about before we started recording um, Queer Competency and like what it, and you, you kind of already touched on it, but I think that there's this discrepancy for a lot of healthcare providers of what queer competency in terms of 
my people are, are healthcare providers, uh, uh, primary care providers, but like there's a discrepancy between what's being taught in school and what people think queer competency is and what it actually is. So can you, can you kind of like bottom line what you see as the difference between what people think queer competency is and what it actually is? Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I mean, bottom line, like that's a lot to pack into one sentence, but if you could simplify <laughs> it just for conceptual purposes, um, you know, it's not, it's not a really simple concept, so yeah. it'll take a little bit of embellishment to do it. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Take your time to explain, but I just mean like, yeah, just like, for yeah. like boundaries around the, the grasping. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll distill it down as much as I can. So I think what a lot of people think of when they think of LGBTQIA competency or queer competency is they're really thinking about pronouns, they're thinking about bathrooms, they're thinking about not saying the wrong thing, mm-hmm. right? And so it's really about our words <laughs> and our mm-hmm. communication of our ideas about gender and sexual orientation. Um, it's really for, I think a lot of people, folks stop it. I, I don't wanna put my foot in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't wanna do harm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what can I say? How do I act mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is um, going to make LGBTQIA people feel safe around me? Yeah. And they stop there at definitions, at terms, at pronouns, at bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the conversation is actually much deeper. My favorite saying around queer competency is that it's not a destination you will ever reach. Mm, love it's that. the journey that you travel. Okay. So it's not like a, oh yeah, I checked all of these boxes. I know how to ask for pronouns. I know how to not assume uh, gender identity when I see somebody. Um, we're not checking boxes. We're actually continuing to audit ourselves, continuing to interrogate our conditioning and the world around us so that we can create safer spaces, right? Totally. Ongoing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's, um... Like, I think just like having had my own experiences, like going through a, a, a um, dismantling, decolonizing, kind of like identifying of like different oppressive structures, like you were kind of talking about in the, in the beginning of like going through that. Like, I think that I can recognize now on the other side that there's like the, what people call performative, like what's performative of like, what is the what is the thing we're showing versus what's like actually truly true transformation into like understanding learning. And then it comes to be in individuals, like you have to start with yourself first and like in be included in this whole conversation about gender and sexuality and all of that stuff is, am I reflecting that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to, you know, just underline that it's not, it's not about not doing or saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's actually about very taking a very active stance in the way in which you um, show up as in your in your humanity. Mm-hmm. So it's really deeper, like relationship things, like yeah. making your subconscious conditioning more conscious around mm-hmm. gender and sexual orientation. It's really around you know being engaged in the process versus going for perfection. Mm-hmm. It's really around, um, you know, making the work of queer competency about you and assessing your own, you yeah. know, biases, right? Totally. Beyond just like getting the pronouns right. Totally, totally. 
Oh, I, I love that. Pause for a second. I didn't want to pull up my questions. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to decide next directions. Yeah. Mm. Let's maybe let's go. We'll go into um, your favorite part. Does that sound good? My favorite part. Yeah. Of your favorite. What do you so? What do you love most about your favorite part of what you do? Do you want to do that one? Oh yeah. Yeah cool. yeah yeah. Totally. Okay okay. So next question. Um, what uh, do you love most about your job, and what is your or and or your favorite thing about it or thing to do about it? Um, uh, this might sound a little sadistic. I, I love melting people's brains. Um, <laughs> truly there's so, so the thing about, about gender is that it is so intricately woven into the fabric of our society that we mm. think we know from a very early age, what it means. Yeah. And so part of the work that I do is separating some of those deeply implicit narratives that mm -hmm. we've been fed our whole lives about gender and sexual orientation mm -hmm. and making them really explicit and showing people like what the constructs are that are operating yeah. under yeah. the surface. Yeah. And when we do that, I mean, the number one, one, and maybe we'll get into this more in the conversation, um, if not you know, I've got loads of material out there that people can digest on their own time, but really separating the difference between biological sex, our anatomy mm -hmm. and our physiology, gender, our internal sense of self and sexual orientation, which is about attraction and arousal. Mm -hmm. And if we're able to really separate those paradigms, mm -hmm. um, we can see more people for who they are rather than mm. conflating, oh, the body parts a person has says something about their gender, how they express their gender says something about their sexual orientation, all of that is false. Totally. But we're taught that. So yeah. when we really break that down in my work, it, it shifts the way people see each other and it shifts mm -hmm. the way folks see themselves. Yeah. And that's my favorite part um, is opening folks up to more opportunities to see themselves and one another in deeper ways. Totally. Oh, I love that so much. I love that so much. Um, I'm going to pause again. I'm sorry. I got like very little sleep last night. I have a back thing going on and <laughs> oh, it's all good, but I'm just like, I normally am able to like keep up and I'm just like, I just need some pauses here. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> like the holding of two spaces. Cause I like want to get into this like conversation with you and, and I'm like thinking about the NPs and I'm like, where are they at right now? And what are they you know, like what's going on with that. And it's just hard to hold both right now. Yeah. Well, uh, we can go into more specifics for, for them. If that's helpful. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, I mean, I just don't want to like, I just like beat over the head. It's like, what is your pet peeve about healthcare providers? And it's like, I mean, it's same, it's like, it's like the same thing. It's like the work, do the work. Right. I mean, if you, unless you want to like go other places with that, um, I can, I can say something more specific. Yeah. yeah. Or like, what do you wish healthcare providers knew? Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Okay. So next question. Um, what do you wish that 
healthcare. So the, the people that I work with, um, that I serve are primary care providers, nurse practitioners, physician associates. Um, those are the, those are the main people, uh, or students. And so what, and I think like you, you kind of captured this already. There's a lot of people who are very like well-intentioned and want to do a good job. They don't want to mess up. They have desires to help their patients be really feel welcomed and included. Mm -hmm. Um, so like they're coming from that context and we've already talked about how it's like there, it's more than just doing it right. Quote unquote, um, getting it right, um, on that level. But like, what are like with that, those contexts in mind, like, what are some things you wish healthcare providers and students knew or did differently? Hmm. Or your pet also like the other way I ask specialists when I do interviews is pet peeves. So mm-hmm. like they tend to wrap in together. Yeah, absolutely. I think if there was one thing that I could ask folks to do, it would be just don't assume. Mm. Don't assume a person's gender. Don't mm. assume what pronouns they use. Don't yeah. assume the sexual orientation. Um, don't assume the relationship structures that they exist in. Mm. Right. So uh, when a new patient comes in, you ask those questions. Yeah. You know, what pronouns do you use? How do you describe your gender identity? Mm. What is your, you know, relationship structure? Structure. Yeah. You, you know, are you monogamous, polyamorous? If you need to know that information. Oh, I love, I love that phrasing. As what is your, what did you say? Your relationship structure. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, structure or relationship orientation. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think there's a, like, I think there's hesitation. It just like, I I just speak thinking of the nurse practitioner mentees I've worked with and colleagues. Like, I feel like there's a lot of hesitation to ask that question because, um, they just don't want to offend people like, and it, cause sometimes people will, will tell me, and I've seen this myself too. And patients are like, what do you mean? What are my pronouns? Patients who are not like accustomed to, to thinking about that. And, um, I think that's just part of it. Like we just have to normalize, like we still, we just have to do it. We just have to normalize these conversations with all of our patients and not just guessing like, oh, maybe I'll ask this person what their pronouns are, right? Like, I think that I hear a bit of that too. So yeah, just normalizing those conversations and having those specific language, languaging piece pieces, which is part of it, but then also like changing the paradigm and perspective to expect that we're just going to like the, the new baseline is like, we have no assumptions. We're just going to ask versus like, Oh, most people are, are most people are straight or most people are cis gendered. Like, no, like we just, we have no idea. Um, just looking at a person. Yeah, absolutely. So the two guidelines I would offer with that one, only ask the questions that you need to know, Mm. right? If you don't, if it's not, pertinent to a person person's health records that you know yeah. what relationship orientation they have don't ask mm-hmm. right um unless you're just trying to get to know somebody and you have that yeah. rapport already and you're chatting yeah. it up whatever yeah yeah around the gender piece the pronouns piece i do agree with you i feel like you should ask everyone if you're going to yeah. use a pronoun for somebody ask yeah. mm-hmm. if you've got mm-hmm. it down to only use that person's name and you never use a pronoun mm-hmm. then what does it matter yeah but if you, and most slash all people will use pronouns, it's just habitual language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you must 
ask. And mm-hmm. there are going to be some people who get offended by that. Mm-hmm. And so have a pithy statement in your back pocket for why mm-hmm. it's important. Just like you would if you're asking for STI history mm-hmm. or, you know, pregnancy history or, you know, history of hypertension or whatever <laughs> it is that you're asking about, you know, if someone yeah. gets like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like there's something that you're going to come to with compassion and understanding mm-hmm. of why you need that information. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. I love that. And, um, yeah, most of the time in terms of relationship structures, it's in the context of like a physical exam where you're getting to know a person. It's relevant to potential screenings or support or anything like that. Uh, yeah, but also just if they're coming in for, I don't know, respiratory infection, <laughs> it's probably not, a, probably not a relevant question. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. Also, frame the questions that you ask in a way that doesn't inherently assume. So a lot of times I'll go in for, let's say, like pelvic exam or something like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I get asked the question, um, do you sleep with men or women? Mm-hmm. There's, there's, I mean, I understand the heart in that. They don't want to assume that I'm heterosexual or that I'm queer, right? But there's also assumptions embedded in that question. Yeah, that one, sure. there's a binary. Yep. Two, yep. I want to have sex with anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, three, that... Like <laughs> most of my, my partners are non-binary. So my mm-hmm. question, my answer to that question <laughs> is neither, but that also doesn't give you the information that you're, you're trying exactly. to get, right? Exactly, exactly. So what actually do you need to know in asking that question? Do mm-hmm. you, you, my guess is that you need mm-hmm. to know what fluids I've been exposed to, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yep. You know, like that's the important thing. So ask yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> What fluids have you been exposed to <laughs> in Spanish or Portuguese or Thai? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Obviously putting it in context that like makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, so I'm going to pause uh, just to ask you, Tara, um, do you want to comment on, let me just look at the questions again. Um, Let's see. Um, do you want to stick to the questions that are in the email or do you want to ask more, um, I don't know, like directed questions or like the, the talking about the short uh, patients for a short period of time? Like I think, so I guess, and, I, and we, can, we can include this in the recording is the question of the scenario. Cause I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to like push you into like more answers where it's like, oh, just the superficial stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think like, I think a lot of nurse practitioners um, worry about in the interim. Okay. So maybe I can put this in the recording. I want to ask your permission first though. But um, so most people are in a place as a nurse practitioner, the context is that they are really overwhelmed by the medical learning And then they're also trying to make a really big impact in the world and they want to take really amazing care of their patients. And also it's like this saturation point of like, yes, this is a problem. Yes. I need to go into, I need to get that deep process to get to that on that journey. And also like, there's, I don't want to, I don't want to like hurt somebody right now when I have to talk about, um, pap screenings 
um, for transmasculine patients or things like that, like things that are very sensitive body-wise. Do you want to get into that at all for specifics or? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Go, go with your intuition and I'll just (laughs) follow you and I'll, I'll answer superficially if it feels right. And I'll go deeper if I want to. Cool. Cool. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So recorder, we can, we can, or video editor, we can start again. Um, so I have another question. So, um, yeah, I think for uh, one of the questions that I get a lot from nurse practitioners, um, is they want to be really sensitive. They are like working on developing their competency. And as they're in that journey, they're also worried about, um, the specific topic of doing, uh, screenings for different patients. So one that came up a lot when, um, I was talking to nurse practitioners in the audience was about, um, things like pap screenings for transmasculine patients or other types of sensitive exams. Do you have any, do you have any things you want to add, um, or comment on or talk about as it relates to that specific scenario? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really appreciate the sensitivity mm. and, and also the very steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, I think the place to start if folks were going to like go do a little personal reflection is really like, what are the assumptions that are made when I am offering a PAP, mm. right? And getting in front of those and ask, actually asking questions to create more safety with the, the patient. So one example is a lot of people assume that because I learned these terms in my medical school, that those are the terms I should use for a person's body. Mm. That can be really dysphoria-inducing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might actually ask your clients or your patients, you know, what terms do you like to use for your body as I'm describing what I see? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Or is there, you know, is there any place that you do or do not feel comfortable with me touching, Mm -hmm. you know, those sorts of things that really um, help folks advocate for themselves when they otherwise have the opportunity to do so. Totally. Oh, that's so great. That's so helpful. Absolutely. I love that. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like getting like a wave. I'm not feeling super, super great. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Um, cool. What, where do you, what, where do you think you want to go? Where do you think you want to go? Do you want to do the risk factors, resilience factors? Yeah, we could do that. Um, for sure. I also would be happy to just talk more about like, um, what are things that you, you know, wish nurse practitioners knew or working yeah. or something like just going and I can just talk yeah. for a while so you don't have that to worry about great. it. That would be really yeah. helpful. I'm really sorry. My brain is actually like, it's like not functioning super well today. Oh, I feel for you. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. And then just, we can totally wrap it up, you know, cool. that's if that's really okay fun. with you. Yeah. That would be really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I really don't want to reschedule. I've been so looking forward to this, but I'm like, oh God, now I'm like, ooh. Um, Okay, okay. Yeah, and if you want to continue the conversation, if you realize afterwards, you're like, gosh, there's way more we should have talked about. Yeah, yeah. Another one. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. That's super helpful. Um, Okay, back in. Um, So what... uh, just open-ended question. Mm-hmm. What do you kind of wish nurse practitioners knew? 
new grads, students, um, any, I mean, whatever you'd like to share would be amazing. Um, I mean, we've talked a lot about assumptions and I yeah, really there is so much assumptions that it's yeah. like, there's, that's like, like right there. One takeaway, don't assume. <laughs> yes, exactly. If there could yeah. be one nugget that everyone comes <laughs> away with. Yeah. So I think I'll reiterate the separation between biological sex, you know, our anatomy mm -hmm. and our physiology, yeah. our gender identities, our gender expressions, right? And our sexual orientations. If if everyone just got on board with that, those those are three different things. They don't imply anything about each other. And we could just treat bodies as bodies, not assume gender identity, right? Not assume sexual mm -hmm. orientation. Everyone would be better for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other piece that I, I will really name is that I, um, I wish that there was more of an understanding of the interconnectedness of mental health and physical health. Yeah. Especially for marginalized communities. Yeah. Um, so when you provide really affirming care, it creates greater positive mental health outcomes and mm -hmm. in turn creates greater positive physical health outcomes. Yeah. Because the way that our psyches are working um, directly impacts the neurotransmitters that are available in our bodies, our hormone levels, all of those other things that impact all of our other physiological functions and therefore mm. our physical health outcomes. So I wish that there was less siloing between yeah. mental health um, desires and needs and physical health. Yeah. Right? So that more of our, um, our physical health, our medical providers could see themselves as mental health advocates as well. Yeah. Um, and that be an underlying non-negotiable around providing yeah. affirming care. Totally. Um, one of the greatest, you know, pains I've seen in my, per my own career mm -hmm. um, and also just st statistically is yeah. how many LGBTQI people won't seek, seek care. care. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible. Um, and I think that it only takes one affirming provider yeah. to make it more likely that someone seeks care when they need it. Yeah. For any right. reason, right? Like any, any medical care at all, like not necessarily not related to anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when you say affirming care, can you clarify for people what you're referring to? Yeah. Um, what I mean is that when, when a patient walks in, they have uh, the experience of being, feeling seen for who they are mm. and that no aspect of their gender, their bodies, or their sexual orientation gets pathologized mm. in any sort of way or, yeah. or othered or marginalized, right? Yeah. They feel like their full humanity is welcome there mm. and uh, fundamentally seen by their provider. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, in terms of creating, I guess I want to clarify too, with creating safe spaces, um, you've given a lot of great examples of like what, like in terms of the practicing for people to like, like language, language can help like also make that transformation of the brain too. So it's like the, the using the language of like, what terms do you use for your body parts as we're going through, like what, um, what would you, what would you say for, um, 
I'm so sorry. I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm keep trying to keep like multiple things together. Sorry, let me try that again. Oof, I'm actually might have to wrap up. I'm so sorry. Um, I don't feel super well. Um, maybe we'll just scratch that last question. Yeah. Uh, I'm really sorry about that. I should have just rescheduled. I just didn't want to lose you. <laughs> sorry about that. Thank you. Um, okay. So wrap up question and I will get my thoughts together. And I think when I'm more well rested, I'll have more, more questions sure. to keep together. Okay. So, um, well, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm sure that I will have a lot more questions. I, I really wanted us to start this conversation so that, um, I really feel like it's, um, so many people wrote in um, when I was asking to survey the audience about um, very tactical things like how do I do hormone uh, replacement therapy or what about chest binding and what about screening exams and a bunch of very like specific medical things which I think are all amazing and things that um, I really want to like help address as well in the on the in, the, in our episodes and our content and all that stuff. Um, but I really feel like this is such a foundational conversation to have where it's easy, especially for newer nurse practitioners who are so stressed about that role transition uh, and taking uh, excellent care of patients and not making any medical mistakes that I think that they're apt to wanna like jump ahead to that place. But I really do so appreciate us talking about um, a lot of these foundational aspects because uh, it's so, it's so um, requisite for all of the other work that we do because we can give, we can learn how to, you know, do hormone hormone therapy or gender affirming gender affirming hormone therapy um, and gender affirming care. And also, I just, I, it's just so important to have those other pieces too, like before we even think about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the piece I would like to just invite everyone in yeah. to is those questions that you have about binding. Those yeah. questions that you have about STI screening, yeah. um, you know, hormone replacement, those are things that that are out there on the internet with really, really good information. Yeah. There's specific yeah. courses that are, you know, being put together with best practices for um, hormone replacement therapy, you know, those sorts of things. Go get that education. Yeah. I think what's really important um, for me and the message that I want to leave folks with yeah. is asking those probing questions to look inside of ourselves yeah. a little bit more because the internet's not going to do that for you. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Thank you so much. Where can people learn more about you and take your career competency course? Actually, if you can tell us a little bit about it too, is it like a self-paced course? Is it a live course? Like, tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, it is a self-paced course. There is definitely um, an option to do it on your own time. There's also a couple of different tiers. You know, you don't have to go all in for all the material. There's like an allyship booster pack, which is like, you know, three short modules or the full queer competency course is eight modules that takes you through all the way from key paradigm shifts, LGBTQI fluency, allyship, uh, business, best business practices, mm -hmm. all the way into like supporting people through transitions. Um, being an advocate for, you know, supportive uh, caregivers and family systems, um, sex, love, and dating, those sorts of things that are really core competencies 
mm-hmm. for serving the LGBTQIA community. So all of that can be found on my website, can be purchased on your own time. I also run a certification program that happens once a year. Our current cohort is like halfway through where I, I send people there. Yeah. Um, but if you're interested in, in going deeper in like a mm. four month deep dive experience with me, with, you know, group coaching, one-on-one coaching, all of that, the next cohort will be spring of 2023. Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much for sharing with that. Um, Because I actually thought that you only did the live course. I didn't realize that there was the self-paced one because I know that a lot of the people that that we serve here are really like, that's a huge priority for them because like, it's it's just a really challenging transition to practice. So time management is a little bit on the challenging side. So I'm so glad to hear that. Absolutely. Cool. And what's your website? www.embodyemerge.com. Excellent. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review and tell all your NP friends. So together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible, give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com slash guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.